Well, we are, as I mentioned, as we're praying there, starting a new series this week. Uh, we're going to spend three weeks uh, walking through the, the Old Testament book of Habakkuk. Now, now this is one of the, the minor prophets in the Old Testament. Uh, it's a, a smaller book. It's only three chapters long, so we're just going to spend three weeks in it. Uh, it's near the end of the Old Testament, and so if you have your Bible and you're flipping through it, you'll find a Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, uh, Zechariah, and Malachi to, to kind of wrap up the Old Testament and then you get into the New Testament with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, so it might seem as a, like it's a bit of an obscure little book to, to go to, but uh, as we're going to see, the prophet here asks some questions that I, that I think are, if not right now, at, at some time in our lives that are on our lips. Especially maybe with all the things going on, I think some of us are, are wrestling with some of these same things of, of where are you, God, in the midst of all this? So just as a little bit of context, a little bit of, of stuff to, to teach us about where we're headed here, Habakkuk was a prophet that lived and wrote about 600 years before the birth of Christ. Now, he was a prophet, but he was a bit of a different prophet. Uh, A question for you. Uh, Those in the Old Testament who were prophets, what was kind of the characteristic of what they did? What did they do? Any ideas? Uh, If you've got one, drop it in the comments there and let us know. Well, the prophets, plain and simple, when you really break it down, they speak to the people on behalf of God. They, they bring the message of God to the people. That was their role. But Habakkuk is a little bit different in that, as we're going to see, he isn't bringing a message of God to the people. Instead, he is speaking to God on behalf of the people. It's kind of, kind of the opposite of what we usually have. He, we have this uh, really up-close look of, of an open and honest conversation between Habakkuk and God, bringing the, the needs of the people to God. Now, he was, he was going to God, and he was talking, and if you've opened your Bible to Habakkuk chapter 1, you might see the first sort of text heading there saying it was actually Habakkuk's complaint is what we're getting into. And so he went to God because he didn't like what he saw going on. He went to God because he didn't like what he saw God doing in the land. Now, this was at an interesting time in the nation's history, about, about 300 years Earlier, uh, just after King Solomon, the nation of Israel had divided in two with with Israel in the north and Judah in the south. Uh, 200 years later or so, uh, Israel was eventually conquered by the Assyrians in about 700 BC. And if you know your history, this is a bit of a a spoiler alert to where we're going to go in Habakkuk 2. Judah would soon fall to Babylon about 15 years after this this, uh, letter takes place. But at this time, at about 600 BC or so, Habakkuk is is confused by what he sees God doing, or maybe better, not doing. See, Judah had once been blessed, but now there was corruption and deception. People had turned away from God. Instead of prospering, there was poverty. And so he kind of lets God have it here in these words. He he doesn't soften his words. He doesn't kind of ease into the conversation. And instead, about 2,600 years ago, Habakkuk is asking God the very same question that's on so many of our minds today. Why don't you seem fair, God? This is not fair. He's upset. And he doesn't hold back. He goes and says, God, I know you could do something about this, but you're not doing anything. Why not? I don't understand. I don't get it. So we start in Habakkuk chapter 1. It opens with this. It says, the oracle that Habakkuk the prophet saw. Now, it's not often that in our our prophetic books we we open with this word oracle, but this is, uh, the the Hebrew word here means it's an an utterance. It's, It's a 
burden that Habakkuk saw. There's an aspect of what's to come that that is a a weight on the prophet. There's a sense of of doom even around what's coming. And so by opening the the book this way, it's telling us that, that, that something's coming and we might not like it. This oracle has a weight or a burden to it. He, he receives the word and then he goes to God with it. Verse two, he says, O Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you not hear? Or cry to you violence and you not save? Why do you make me see iniquity? Why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. Habakkuk is Habakkuk here is, is crying out, God, why aren't you stepping in here? And one of the things I appreciate about this little book is that, again, it's, it's raw, it's real. Habakkuk doesn't hold back. He doesn't pull any punches. He brings these real and raw emotions to God. And you know what? His, his name actually tells a story to us as well. Habakkuk means to, to embrace or to wrestle And we're actually going to see him doing both here in this first chapter. He's going to do everything he can to embrace what he knows and believes about who God is. But it doesn't seem like what he knows is is, is lining up with what he's seeing. And so he's going to wrestle with that tension. Embrace and wrestle. And I bet many of us have found ourselves in this exact same place. Maybe we, we know a few things about God or we've heard some things about God or, or maybe we've grown up in or around the church for, for some part of our lives. Either way, we, we know some things about God, about who he is and, and what he's done and, and what he should be like maybe. And all those things we know, they may be exactly true. And yet when we look out at the world around us, we just struggle to see how, how this thing can be true about God and then how do we line that up with the reality that we see around us. And we ask questions like, how can a good God do this? How can can God, if he's good and in control, let this thing happen? And really, if if, if God is all-powerful and God is in control, then, then why not step in? Why allow this thing to happen? Why are we in the midst of this coronavirus? Now let me warn you, this message isn't going to be a sitcom sermon. Maybe in these last little while, you've, you've had a little bit of uh, extra time to check in on your favorite sitcoms or you've maybe binged one or two of them on Netflix or Prime or wherever else. But you know how a, how a sitcom works. It's you know, half an hour, maybe 45 minutes. And in that short time, with commercials, of course, you've got a problem introduced, the characters wrestle, and then by the end of the show, everything's all, all wrapped up. You know, the bad guy's arrested, uh, the relationship's mended, uh, the person gets a job, whatever else. It's all tied up in a nice bow by the end. But we're not going to get to the end today and have everything wrapped up in a nice little bow. Because you know this, that's not how life works. In life, in real life, not everything gets sorted out in 30 minutes or an hour. Sometimes it doesn't even get sorted out in 30 days. And sometimes things don't even get sorted out in 30 years. Sometimes, unlike the sitcom, we we lose a job and we don't get the better one. Sometimes uh, relationships are broken and there is no reconciliation at the end. Sometimes we get that diagnosis and we go for treatment and we we ask for others for help and and it doesn't help. Sometimes in life we we just don't get that thing that, that we think we should get. 
And so we, we wrestle with that and we try to embrace what we know about God. And sometimes in the midst of that wrestling, uh, a well-meaning Christian comes along and says, listen, you know what? You just got to have faith. You got to just let go of this thing and let God do his thing. You just got to trust in him. Now, all of those things may be true. The theology behind those comments might be true, but that's probably not what you need to hear in the midst of the wrestling, is it? Because when we're, we're in these times of, of trying to embrace what we know about God, but also wrestling with our realities, our faith often feels raw or shaken or, or rattled like it might even come down. See, in those moments, God doesn't feel good because you know he could do something, and yet he doesn't or doesn't seem to be doing anything, and you don't understand why. See, that's how Habakkuk is feeling right here. He asked that question in verse 3 that we read. Why do you force me to look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? All I can see are oppression and violence in front of me. Strife and conflict abounds. And he goes even deeper in verse 4. And he says, therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. In other words, Habakkuk is saying, God, I don't really think that what you're doing is right. Remember, Habakkuk is the prophet that takes the word of the people to God. So he is addressing God here for the people, on behalf of the people. And you know what? I think he's asking some of the same questions that, that you and I have. Maybe we're asking right now. Listen, God, as I look at the world around me, it really doesn't seem like you care. How, how can you say that you care when I look and I see uh, around me, I see violence, I see injustice, I see a sickness and death in this pandemic. I see oppression, I see conflict. God, you don't seem to be doing much. You tell me you're all powerful, you tell me you're in control, but why aren't you doing something if you could? I know you have the power, but, but why aren't you stepping in? I know that you could. I don't understand. We're asking, God, the, the things that you are doing, the things that you are allowing to happen in this world, they just don't seem fair. Now, how many of us have, have thought at some point or other, you know what, if I were God, I would do things differently. And I want you to be honest with me here. We're, we're having real talk here. So I want you to be uh, in that moment with me. And it's okay because I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand in church. But, you know, you're, you're at home, uh, so maybe raise your hand at home. How many times have you said one or maybe all of these things to God? God, it just doesn't seem like you care. God, why won't you do something here? God, you're not being fair. Now, over the last little while here at Trinity, I, I've asked this question a few times, so I, this next question a few times, so I, I hope you know the answer and you're ready for it. Is it ever okay for us to question God? Is it ever okay for us to ask these questions to God, to push back on what it seems like God is doing? Let me tell you, the answer is a resounding yes. If we go to the Bible, I mean, this whole book asks questions. If we go to the book of Psalms, of the 150 chapters, more than a third of them are, are lament songs, songs of people who are hurting, people who are in the midst of trials and troubles, people who are crying out to God. So often in the Psalms we read, how long, O Lord, are you going to do this? 
We have entire books of the Old Testament, Ecclesiastes, Jeremiah, Job, Lamentations. They're all books of the Bibles where the writers are doing exactly what Habakkuk is doing here. They're, they're expressing their confusion to what they see around them as just unjust suffering. You know what? And even Jesus, when he was on the cross, he, he lived his perfect life, and he was going to the cross and becoming sin for us. And when God looks away, or however that took place in that moment, Jesus quotes one of these lament psalms and cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What's going on here? Where are you in this? We're allowed to lament. Habakkuk is a lament. And you know what? We're all going to have these moments and I saw this, this sort of uh, graph. I'm going to try and put it on the slides up beside me here. Hopefully you can track with me here. I saw it explained this way, so let me pass it on. If, if you are a follower of Jesus, at some point in your life, you've had a story that goes like this. In, in some way, shape, or form, you, you recognize that there, there's, there's more to life than just trying to get to the end and leave a beautiful corpse. Maybe you, you go to a church at some point or you hear a song or someone at work tells you about Jesus or prays with you. Maybe you're hit with, with some sort of trial or tragedy that you, you, you're doing life without God and you realize, you know what, I, I need God. Whatever that looked like, you, you meet Jesus, you, you call on his name and you experience his grace and forgiveness and all of a sudden things seem to be going up and to the right. It's great. You're having this, this mountaintop type experience. You go to church and all the sermons are great. It's like every time the Bible opens up, God is speaking directly to you. Whenever you launch your whatever your favorite music player is or turn on the radio or the CDs are in the deck, your, your favorite song is always queued up, ready to play. You always find that parking spot. Life is amazing. God is good. Thank you, God. But then life starts to happen. Some things start happening that, that maybe aren't quite as good. You go to church and maybe the sermon was just, well, okay, I guess. Maybe the preacher was preaching to someone else this week. It starts to go like this. It starts to come back down. Parking spots are gone. The mix that you're shuffling on your, your favorite audio player, your Spotify mix, is kind of a disaster now. And you pray, it doesn't seem like God's answering or even listening, or maybe the opposite happens. The thing that you're praying against happens. Or maybe something bad does happen. Someone gets sick and they don't get better. You lose a loved one. You're in a relationship and, and that person who's supposed to be a believer cheats on you, and leaves you. That person you look up to and admired for so long does something wrong and all of a sudden is out of your life. The doctor gives you news that you never deserved. Whatever it is, it happens to everyone and then life does this. Now these things, these things in life, they happen to every one of us. At some point of us, many of us have had, or uh, hate to break it to you, it is coming, what Henry Blackaby calls in experiencing God, a crisis of belief. Things start to tail off and everything seems to be a little bit rattled. And we start to ask the questions, wait a minute, God, if you're good, how could I go from that peak and start just heading straight down? Why, where, where are you in all this, God? How could this happen, God, if you're with me and you're good? Do you even care about me? Well, at this point, most people think that you only have one of two different options. The first thing that some people do, usually with, with good intentions, is they just they deny the bad. 
This isn't really happening. God is still good. This isn't really happening. God is still good. This isn't really happening. God is still good. I'll, I'll just pretend that I'm back up on that mountaintop and, and everything will be okay. They just deny, deny, deny. The second group of people say, you know what? If I wind up down here at this crisis point and I'm not up there on the mountaintop with the rainbows and the unicorns, then forget it. God mustn't be with me anymore. God isn't doing me good anymore. I'm just going to go somewhere else. I tried God. I tried the Bible. I tried Christians. Forget it. And they're out. They walk away. And I bet we all know people who have or, or are in those spaces now or who would fall into either of those two groups. But listen, there, there is a third option. Can I call it for us the, the Habakkuk option? In the midst of the pain, instead of denying or running, we wrestle and we embrace. In the midst of the, the I don't get it, the midst of the, the I'm confused about this, the, in the midst of the how can this happen, in the midst of the crisis, you, you do the best you can to embrace what you know to be true about God. And when you do this, when you, when you hold on to what you know to be true about God and, and embrace that and wrestle with what you're seeing, but you're still embracing it, does life get better? Get better? No, not always. Sometimes life keeps getting worse. And when it gets worse, we just need to keep going. We need to keep wrestling and embracing we need to embrace what James writes in the first chapter of his book, which is actually where we're going to head after Habakkuk. So if you want to start studying James, reading James, I would encourage you to do that. But he writes this, Consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. That testing, all of a sudden that curve starts to turn around a little bit as endurance starts to come. He continues and says, and let endurance have its full effect that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. And our graph starts to go like this, starts to head back up as we, as we mature, as, as God produces this endurance in us. See, listen, the, the way that we, we really get to know God is not living on the mountaintops. It's actually by getting to know his faithfulness down there in the valley. Psalm 23, verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Even though I walk through the valley, you are with me. We wrestle, we embrace. I can think of a few of these crisis of faith moments in my own life that I, that I could have just denied and gone on with my ears plugged or I could have walked away from it all. I've had really uh, influential, influential mentors or, or pastors uh, step out of ministry, leave the church for different reasons, and I felt just abandoned and left behind. I've had more than a few God-how-can-you-let-this-happen moments in the past 20 years. I've had people come to me and challenge what I believe and, and how I could believe in this thing. And the things they've asked and pointed to could have been crippling to my faith and, and crippling to my understanding of who God is. But, but through all of those things, God carried me through. It's in the valleys. 
It's in the valleys that we're put in this place where we can either deny and run away or we can stand up and stand firm and wrestle. And let me be really clear. I am not the hero of these wrestling matches. Jesus is. All I do is I I make the decision to, to stand in there and hang on to it and trust that even though I walk through the valley, you are with me. I can think of more than one time where my, my beliefs were challenged and God put a verse or two into my heart to remind me of his truth. I can think of more than one time uh, in the last couple of years where I, I was walking uh, to the office or something and, and feeling a little bit defeated or down or something, and I was listening to, to another pastor preach, and he went exactly here and said, listen, I don't know who needs to hear this, but if you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, God is with you. Listen, I know that that some of you who are watching or listening right now are right here, right at this crisis point right now. With all of this coronavirus stuff going on around us, maybe more than ever, each one of us is having our, our worldview shaken and tested, everything we've hoped for wrestled from us. Maybe we're in the midst of, of trials like the world hasn't seen in, in maybe 80 years or longer. But let me plead with you, because I know this is true in my own life. If you are exploring faith in Jesus in the midst of this crisis, don't deny the crisis. Don't deny that that nothing's happening. This is all good. It's not. But also don't run away from Jesus just because we're in the middle of a crisis. Lean in. We talked last week about the need for community. Head to our website and and ask for for connection. Help us to connect you with someone. Lean into community. Learn from Habakkuk. Ask the questions. These are okay questions. God, this doesn't seem right or fair or good, and I don't get it. Habakkuk did this, and you know what? God responded. And here's what God said. God, Habakkuk had come and said, God, I don't get this. Something's wrong here. You don't seem fair. I don't understand this. And God says this. Look among the nations and see. Wonder and be astounded, for I'm doing a work in your days that you would not believe even if I told you. Habakkuk must have been thinking, yes, that's what I'm talking about. Finally, God, you're going to do what's right. You're going to relieve the pain. We're going to be prosperous again. We're going to be blessed. You're right, God. We will look with wonder. We will be astounded. I can't wait to see what you're about to do. And if this were a sitcom sermon, this is where we'd wrap up. And if we weren't careful readers of Scripture, we would take this one verse out of context and we would throw it at all sorts of things. God, I am looking to the nations. I will be wondered to do something that I wouldn't believe it. We'd name and claim all sorts of things with this one verse. But I warned you, this isn't a sitcom sermon. Because life isn't a sitcom, is it? God says, pay attention, Habakkuk. I'm going to intervene. You're going to be amazed and you wouldn't even believe it. If I told you what I'm I'm about to do here, because I'm going to raise up your enemies. Look at verse 6. Look, I'm raising up the Babylonians, that bitter, impetuous nation that marches across the earth's open spaces to seize dwellings that are not their own. They are fierce 
and terrifying. All of them come to do violence. Their faces are set in determination and they gather prisoners like sand. Wait. What? That can't, that can't be right. God says, Habakkuk, you think it's bad now? It is going to get worse. Because I'm about to use your enemies to bring justice on you and your people because of your sin. Now, understandably, this makes no sense to Habakkuk. He still can't understand what's going on. So let me ask, what would you do if you heard this? What would you do or what do you do maybe as a follower of Jesus when you hit a crisis? Now listen, let me tell you this. A committed follower of Jesus can both wrestle with honest questions about God and also embrace a genuine faith in God. A committed follower of Jesus can wrestle with honest questions but also embrace a genuine faith in God. This isn't an an either-or situation. Either you wrestle with the questions or you embrace. No, you can do the both at the same time. Watch how Habakkuk does this just a few verses later. He, He tries to still embrace, yet he doesn't understand what's going on. He's still wrestling with this. Down in verse 12, he says, Are you not from eternity, Lord my God? My Holy One, you will not die? Lord, you appointed them to execute judgment? My, my rock, you destined them to punish us? Your, your eyes are too pure to look on evil and you cannot tolerate wrongdoing. He's, I'm clinging to this. This is, this is what I know. But I don't understand. So why do you tolerate those who are treacherous? Why are you silent when the one who is wicked swallows up the one who is more righteous than himself? He's saying, God, here's what I know about you. Here's what I don't understand. I'm I'm trying to embrace these things I know about you, but but the Babylonians, they're worse than us. How can you you use them to judge us when they're worse? We're bad, but, but they're even worse. He's saying, I'm trying to embrace what I know, but I'm definitely wrestling. I don't get it, God. Listen, if you're there, Right now, if you're in that place where you're trying to uh, hang on to those things, God, you're too pure to look on evil. God, you are my rock. God, you are the holy one. But you're also saying, I I don't know what's going on here, God. Why is this happening? Don't you care? Aren't you for me? If you're there right now, what you need to know is God understands your pain. God under, understands the crisis. He, he welcomes your questions. And I think he would rather you authentically, honestly, uncensoredly yell your questions at him than just give up and walk away. See, because when we hit that crisis of belief, we don't want to deny our doubts. We don't want to run from God, but we want to let those doubts instead drive us towards God as we embrace, even as we wrestle with him. See, here's the thing. What if, what if honestly acknowledging our faith, or sorry, what if honestly acknowledging your doubt is the first step towards deeper faith? What if embracing your secret questions and wrestlings is actually the key to to maturing and and knowing more about who God is and his character? 
What if, what if drawing closer to God, what if developing a genuine relationship and intimacy him, with him means that you have to bear something that feels unbearable? What if like Habakkuk's ominous, burdensome oracle that he's receiving right here, you too have to go through the crisis. You have to trust him through the crisis. Embrace his strength in the crisis when you feel weak. What if it takes real pain to experience a real, deep, abiding hope? What if you have to go through it to get that hope in the dark? Again, I, I told you this wasn't going to be a sitcom sermon. I'd love to tidy this story up and, and say everything turned out great for Habakkuk, everything turned out great for Judah. And for those of you who are, who are watching and are in a, a Habakkuk chapter 1 season of life where things are, are going bad and it seems like it's only getting worse, I would love to tell you to just pray a prayer with me and this afternoon everything is going to be better. But here we are. We're at the end of chapter 1. Stuck. You know what? Chapter 2 doesn't get much better. But listen, here, let me, let me plead with you again. Don't walk away from God in chapter 1. Wrestle and embrace. Let me pray for us. Jesus, I pray for those who find themselves in chapter 1 right now. I pray for those who find themselves in the middle of, of crisis, a crisis of belief, uh, all sorts of crises around us right now. I pray that they would have the courage uh, to, to have permission to wrestle while they embrace. Listen, if you're watching right now on our church online page and you want someone to pray with you, you can click that live prayer button and we would love to pray with you. After the service is open, the button is, is still there and it, it, you can submit a prayer request to us. If you're, if you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, you can head to trinitycanmore.com slash prayer and, and drop us a note. God, Levy, again, thank you that you have given us this book, that it gives us permission to lament that it gives us permission to just tell you that sometimes we don't like it, we don't understand it, we don't even agree with what's going on. But in these moments, God, help us to cling to your character. Remind us that you are gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love to a thousand generations, forgiving iniquity and rebellion and sin. God, help us to cling to your nature and your character and to believe that you are good even when life is not. God, I pray for those of us in a crisis of faith moment right now that, that we wouldn't walk away. God, I pray for someone who feels like they've tried it, they tried you, they tried church, they've tried the Bible, and they just want to walk away. I pray, God, that they wouldn't walk away. God, don't let our doubts drive us away from you, but, but help our doubts and our questions drive us to you for answers. And while we wrestle, God, help us to keep on embracing too. I know that, that many of us are in the midst of crisis right now. I know that many of us are hurting right now and there's all sorts of things going on. And I know that it can be easy for us to look at our lives and just see the valley. But remind us, God, that you are with us in the valley. God, remind us that you loved us so much that you sent your son Jesus who was perfect in every way and yet went to the cross to pay for the consequences of our sin so that we could be forgiven. And in the midst of the trials and struggle of this world, Jesus has come and he's overcome them. He's come to give new life. He's, he's come to bring new life to anyone who believes in him and calls on his name. 
Listen, it doesn't matter what you've done or how much you're hurting right now. It doesn't matter how bad your life has been. You can turn to him and you can believe in him and you can be saved and brought into a life with his grace and forgiveness. And if you're watching or listening right now and you're thinking, that's me, I I need him. I need to to turn from this life. I need to turn from sin and, and run towards Jesus. I want to turn towards him. I want to give him my life. If that's you, drop a, a hands up in the comments. Click that raise your hand button in the chat. Head to, to trinitycanmore.com slash commit and, and fill out a short form. And we, would, we would love to celebrate with you. And you can pray these words with me. Jesus, take my life. Forgive my sins. Make me brand new. Fill me with your spirit so I can serve you and I can follow you Every day of my life, I trust you. I embrace what I know about you. Teach me more. Jesus, I'm willing to wrestle. Use me to show your love. Thank you for new life. And now you have my life. And Jesus, I pray these things in your name. Amen. Listen, there is hope in the dark. There is a God who loves you, who is for you, who wants to be with you who wants to walk through that valley with you, who is walking through that valley with you. As we uh, head towards a close in our our service, I'm going to invite Arnie to to lead us in one more song. 